Jesus as my provider in every area of our lives, our whole family, my, mine in particular. Um, I've just seen it so many times, um, time and time again, that Jesus has proven he's my provider. And I'm going to share with you some of my experiences. Um, but when I started getting into the message, I, um, the story that we're going to read about today is about a wedding that took place in the Bible. And so many of you know, my son just got married to an amazing young lady, Natalia. And um, we, it was about a month ago, and we had an awesome ceremony, a wonderful reception. It was beautiful. So thank you to Frank and Christina. We had a wonderful reception. Um, and at the end of the night, I was tired. I was exhausted because it was like one of the funnest days of my life. I had so much fun. And so the next morning, my family was still here from Alabama, which that's where you might hear some twang in there. But um, so they were still here the next morning. And so we had more party that day. So it was two days. And by the end of the weekend, I was exhausted. I mean, it wasn't just the weekend. I had spent 24 years preparing this man for marriage. I was tired, you know. And I needed a little vacation. So I have to be honest, and I was a little bit perturbed when Devin and Natalia were in Cancun on their honeymoon. And here I was back at work. I was like, I'm exhausted. I needed a little break. But um, so I, I definitely um, was happy when I was reading this story that we're going to talk about in the Bible that our receptions nowadays are only one day. It's because back in the Bible, they were seven days. I can't even imagine. So I also can't imagine the cost of it because it was up to the groom's family back in the Bible times to be able to provide all the food and drink for the whole week long. Okay, so I would like to invite that tradition back because then I'd have one groom in my family instead of three. Um, and we would have just snuck out of it because Frank and Christina did this one. So let's invite that back, okay? Anyway, um, so in the Bible, I'm gonna, um, we're going to look at John 2. So you can turn to your Bible in John 2. And I'm just going to give you the, the backdrop behind it. So weddings in Israel during this time, like I said, were seven days. And we're going to find, we're going to pick up the story, and it's day three in the wedding. And so back in that time, like I said, the groom's family was responsible for um, the, um, covering all the food and drinks. And if they ran out of anything, it was really a black mark on the family for the rest of their lives in the community. It was really like it could have been on scandal, like it was that bad. Um, and so the Mary, somebody has watched Scandal back there? Okay. Um, so Mary was there with Jesus and his disciples, and they, some scholars believe that it could have been John, um, Jesus' second cousin, that was getting married. So it was part of Mary's family, and that's why she comes to Jesus with one of her concerns. So um, this, it's just interesting. We say it so casually. This is the story of when Jesus turned the water into wine. We, we sing about it, you know, water, you turn into wine. Okay, but we say it so casually, but it was a miracle. It was awesome. But what's so cool is it was a miracle that just kept a family from avoiding embarrassment in their community. So it's just very interesting. Okay, so um, Mary comes to Jesus, and, um, well, let's, let's pick up in the story, verses 1 through 10, what I'm going to read. So it says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana. This is day three. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the, cel to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Keep in mind that because we're going to come back to that. Jesus replies, dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. But his mother ignores him. That doesn't say that in there, but he, she ignores him and tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. So standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. 
When the jars had been, been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. It goes on to say they took it to the host, and the host loved this wine. He had said, you know, most people um, serve the best wine when everyone has had a lot to drink, but now here you are. Uh, they bring out the less expensive wine after everybody's had plenty to drink, and now here you are saving the best for now. So after reading this story, first of all, I decided I'm going to bring one of these to my daughter's weddings to see if Jesus is still in the miracle working business. Um, but it's interesting that um, Mary went to Jesus with this problem. She, she just went to Jesus. Notice she didn't ask him anything. She didn't say, how are you going to fix this? She just told him the problem. They have no more wine. So Jesus says, you know, what are you telling me this for? Well, now this is what I think happened. Being a mother, this is what I think might have happened, is Jesus says, they ha you know, this, they haven't, um, this is not my time yet. It's not my hour. It's not yet come. And why are you telling me this? Well, I think mother gave the hairy eyeball to Jesus. Like, I know who you are. You know who you are. Fix it. But none of that said. She just says to the servants, whatever he says, just do it. Okay, so she completely ignores Jesus saying, asking a question, she just tells the servants what to do. So now I'm going to use a little bit of creative license here. And when I was a middle school Bible teacher, I used to tell my students, don't just read the Bible for what the words are on the page. Don't just read it for the story, but put yourself in the setting. Like, what would, what would that person be feeling? Or, like, put yourself in the other person's shoes. What would that person be thinking or feeling? And we're going to do that a couple times today just to get you to think a little bit outside the box. So why did Mary go to Jesus when she had a problem. She clearly saw him as the provider or as a provider because she knew he could do something about it. So you got to wonder why. So let's just say, okay, so Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. He was fully a boy on earth. Now, if any boy on earth, even if they're half human, has this power, you got to think that he might have wanted to test it out a little bit a few times, you know? So Maybe, what, what did mom see sometimes? Maybe he was, you know, sitting at the dinner table. I, I picture, like, the scene in Bruce Almighty. Anybody ever seen that movie, Bruce Almighty? Where he's sitting at the diner, and then all of a sudden he realizes that, you know, he's got the power. And he, like, does that to his soup bowl, and all the soup rises, and it's split down the middle. You know, he was practicing. He was thinking, oh, my gosh, I really do have the power. So you got to think, did Jesus do something like that for Mary to know that he could do something about this situation? I also picture like, you know, Jesus is studying the scrolls and he's in his room and his mother yells down the hall, Jesus, we're out of flour. I need you to get the donkey and go 40 miles to the grocery store and get some flour. And he says, you know, mom, I'm studying the scrolls. Check again. There's some flour now. <laughs> like you got to wonder, like, why did Mary think I'm going to tell Jesus they have no more wine and then just tell the servants, well, whatever he says, just do it. She had to know he was able to fix the problem. So whatever he says, just do it. Thanks to Mary, Nike has made a gazillion dollars, you know. <laughs> she might have been that first one to come up with a just do it. So um, she, Mary's not taking no for an answer. And then you got to think about what you, were do, what you would do if you're one of the servants there. So the servants were told, fill up the ceremonial washing pot. Now, let me, let me say, this is probably, how many gallons would you say this is? Five, eight, something like that. Okay. Well, they were 20 to 30 gallons that they, these ceremonial washing pots would hold. And 
they were basically like they would cleanse their hands. They would dip their hands in the water and wash their hands because everything they did had to be clean. So this is what a ceremonial washing pot, it looked similar to this maybe, but that's what it was. So here I'd be a servant, if I were a servant, I'd be like, Jesus, are you serious? We're going to fill that with water and then drink out of it? Like the Board of Sanitation is going to be taking our license, you know? I mean, you know, the, it's not FDA approved wine, you know? I mean, they had to be thinking, this is crazy to fill up this pot with water. What are, what's that going to do? So, but they did it. They were obedient. And they were obedient to whatever Jesus told them because Mary saw Jesus as the provider. So this is the secret that we're going to talk about today is seeing Jesus as your provider means that you need to be obedient. Obedience is the key today. So if you are a first-time guest, let me just time out and say this. We don't always talk about finances, number one. Number two, if you're a first-time guest, you have to promise to come back next week to hear my husband because I don't always speak. So that's just the side. But um, we don't always talk about finances, and we don't even pass the plate, as you heard in our announcements, because we don't want people to give out of compulsion or obligation. We want them to give because that's what God asked them to do. When you do what God asks you to do and you're obedient, he blesses you. And we're going to find out all about that kind of life today. So we just teach people, talk to God. And, you know, I'm, I'm not... Um, I'm not talking about working up to the tithe because the tithe is in the word. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the baseline. I'm going to talk to you more today about um, giving over and above that. When you need supernatural intervention, then you need supernatural help from God, and that means over and above the tithe, okay? So we just ask you, or we just teach you to go ask God if you have concerns and do whatever he says. So whatever he says to do, you're going to just do it. All right, that's your big idea for the day. So you can write that down. Whatever he says to you, just do it. You can even draw the little Nike swoosh symbol if you'd like, if that helps you. But you can't just, you can't think about it or rationalize it. You just do it. Do whatever he says. So um, God wants to bless us so much, but there's obedience is the key factor. And we're going to talk about three benefits to a life of obedience that leads to blessing. So the first one is obedience can be measured. John 2, 7 in the verse says, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim, one, one um, translation says. They filled them to the brim. Okay, so when you fill them to the brim, there's no more room. There's nothing left. And if you think about it, that was a good thing that they filled it to the brim because every drop of water that was in there turned into a drop of wine from heaven. Now, what if they had only filled it halfway or filled it to maybe three-fourths? There was a little bit left, a little bit of room. They still would have been obedient because they filled the pots with water. But how much, to the extent that they filled the water pots, that's the extent of the blessing they received. So you, you're, in your notes, you determine the measure that you receive. Your obedience, or the lack thereof, can determine the extent of your miracle. So the servants put something natural in it, and then Jesus did something supernatural and made it way more exciting, way more fun, um, because it was a whole big old pot of wine now at this point. So look at um, Luke 6.38. This is not in your notes, but this is bonus material if you want to write this first down. Luke 6.38, it says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it pour into your lap. For the measure with which you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you use a teaspoon to give to God, he will use a teaspoon to give back to you. If you use a quart He'll use a court to give back to you. But if you use a dump truck, he will use a dump truck to give back to you. 
That's what I'm in. I'm in the dump truck business, actually. So, but God's power and provision is unlimited, but we can limit it with our obedience or the lack thereof. So what measure are you using in your giving? Are you, are you giving a teaspoon or are you giving a dump truck? Everybody say, I'm going to give a dump truck. <clears throat> so are you, that's, are you filling things to the brim? I want to feel it overflowing. And this is a spiritual principle. So we, we had a, a girl in our church um, a couple of years ago who was a single mom. And um, she, was, she had struggled with the tithe message, giving the tenth. And um, she finally decided, okay, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to give a, a tithe, you know, and, and I'm, on a, I'm on a limited income. So she made $1,030, so she was going to give her tithe of $103. So she did, and um, she said, you know, she told the Lord, I'm going to do it. And when she got ready to give her $103, God said, I want you to give 120 And she was like, what? I just got to the point where I was going to give my tithe, and you're asking me to give over and above that, Lord? Are you serious? I'm on a fixed, limited income. And God said to her, well, who do you want to fix your income, me or you? Okay, so if you're on a fixed income, who do you want to fix it? We're, we often hear this about, you know, I'm on this limited income, but if you see Jesus as your provider... He will fix your income. It is unlimited if, he's your, if he is your source. So this girl said, I'm going to do it. Okay, I'll do it. I'm going to give $120. She did. And that very day that she walked out of the service, before she walked out of the service, someone handed her $120 cash. God covered it that day. He provided for her. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all going to happen today if you decide to give over and above or whatever. God, but it might. You just never know. But you have to see Jesus as your source and your provider. And so when people say, I'm on a limited income, I want to say, well, who's limiting it? If you see your boss and your company as your source and your provider, then yes, you will continue to stay on a limited and fixed income. I am in Christian education, and there is not a lot of money in Christian education. But I'm going to have a whopper crown when I get to heaven, okay? There's not a whole lot of money on earth in Christian education. However... I see Jesus as my provider and my source. Therefore, I, I didn't see Metro West Ministries as my source. If I did, I would still have a limited income, a fixed income. I see Jesus as my source, and he has blessed us supernaturally, even with my little Christian educating source of income. So I am not on a fixed income because I, Jesus is my provider. So, um, and, and this is sometimes when he, when we see him as our source, he gets really creative in the way he provides for us. And it's very rarely in the form of a paycheck. It sometimes it could be that he covers your, one of your bills. Somebody, he provides someone to cover one of your bills. It could be like when my kids were all little, you know, we would, um, they would be growing the audacity of them to grow, you know, and, and they would look like they're ready to go on Noah's Ark with all their little high water pants. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, you grew like four inches over the night. Okay. We need some clothes. We don't even have money in the budget to get the clothes right now. So I would just ask God, Lord, what help us. And literally, so many times, I can't even tell you, at least a dozen times, the very next day, sometimes within a week, somebody would come to us and go, I brought you two trash bags of clothes, and I think it would fit Devin and Mallory. Poor Madison and Morgan, they just got all the hand-me-downs. But, <laughs> um, but it, was, it was a creative way that God provided for our needs. And he will do it every time if you're obedient and if you go to him and ask him. And this is what we taught our kids when they were young too. When, they would, when we'd get these bags of clothes and they're going through it like, oh, this is awesome. You know, um, we taught them that Jesus is their provider, not us. Amen. 
that Jesus, we would thank the people for giving us bags of clothes, but we taught our kids, you thank Jesus because he's your provider. He provided this. And it's so much easier when the kids are little to teach them, like when they're young, to teach them. When you give, it's easier to give a 10 cents on every dollar you make as opposed to give a thousand on every 10,000 you make. Can I get an amen on that? It's a lot easier to give a dime than it is a thousand dollars, okay? But if they have that as a staple in their lives, it becomes part of who they are. I am so thankful that my parents taught me the importance of tithing. I have tithed my whole life and I have reaped blessings. So when I got, well, when I was dating, I was like, if this guy's not a tither, He's getting the boot. I am not marrying somebody that's not a tither. It was a non-negotiable for me. So thankfully, Pastor Ernie and Randa taught Derek the importance of tithing. Because therefore, I mean, I know the man is supposed to lead, but the man was not going to lead me if he wasn't a tither because he wasn't even going to be my husband. That was a non-negotiable. So Derek obviously got the prize of being my husband and leading me because he was a tither. (laughs) So... But I have to tell you, you know, we reap the blessing and the benefit in our lives because our parents, both of our parents, were obedient and lived a blessed, blessed life by, because they were obedient, both of our parents. And now we're doing it, and we're going to continue to bless our kids because we're going to pass that, um, pass that on. Now, the other thing is we would tell our girls, especially like when they were younger, they babys- started working when they were much younger than Devin did because he didn't babysit. You wouldn't want him to babysit when you're... <laughs> but... So um, they were like 9 and 10, and they were tithing on their babysitting money. And so we would tell the girls, listen, it might not come in the form of, you know, this, these people are all of a sudden going to start paying you more, but it might come in the fact that you have a lot more babysitting jobs than you can even shake a stick at, you know? And that's what happened. They always had their choice. That was a southern phrase, yes, I know, shake a stick at. My little peanut gallery is making fun of me. Um, but um, what happens, what prompts the supernatural provision of God is our obedience and whatever he tells us to do, because obedience can be measured. All right, number two, obedience leads to an exciting faith. This is one of my favorite points. If you, I want you to think about these ceremonial washing pots. So we're going to correlate it to dead religion, okay? Um, nothing, there was nothing exciting about these pots when they were just sitting there until Jesus got involved. And then the pots became party central, That was like everybody wanted to be around the pots because there was that fresh wine from heaven right in there. And they were like having a party and drinking all night. You know, I mean, they wanted to be, everybody wanted to be around the the washing pots at that point because Jesus got involved. They put in something natural and something supernatural happened because Jesus was invited in. So um, if you think about, like I kind of correlated to also these pots as being people. So I, we know a lot of people in our lives that have been Christians for a really long time, and they are boring Christian fossils. Like, there's nothing exciting going on in their lives. Nobody really wants to be around them. They're just kind of, you know, they come to church, and they're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You know, that's good. Okay, we'll go home. They go home. Nothing happens during the week. They come back, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know. Say, same thing all the time. But then there, I also know a lot of people who have been Christians for a really long time, and they have lived exciting lives because they're obedient to whatever God asked them to do. They just do it. And they have things going on the whole time. We're going down to ARC this week in, uh, down in Alabama, and there's a lot of pastors that are coming together that are, have stuff going on all the time because they're living a life of obedience. They're willing to take the challenges that God gives them and just do it. So 
I challenge you to just whatever God says to, do, to you to do is just do it. It will lead to an exciting faith. And um, I could tell you countless stories of things that God has asked me to do over the years. Some of them are big and some of them are small. And I'm going to give you an example of each one. But so one time we had years ago, we had this um, guest speaker that came to church. Her name was Kathy Leshner. And she did several, you know, night services, and then she spoke on the weekend, and she, our church was blessed by her, and our family was personally blessed by her. Just She just, she was awesome. And so it comes Sunday afternoon after the service, and we went to lunch with her, and then after lunch, she was going to go to the airport. And so the whole time we're sitting at lunch, I felt like God was saying, I want you to give her all the money in your wallet. And I was like, No. Hello? No. And it wasn't because there was a lot of money in my wallet. There were three ones. Three ones. One, two, three. Three dollars in my wallet. So I'm like, I am not giving her three dollars. I'm sure. Uh, Miss Kathy, you've been such a blessing. Here's three dollars. <laughs> Who does that? I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Lord, you have, must think that I have more in my wallet than I really. Maybe I should open my wallet. And boom, there's a lot more money, but three dollars. So the whole time I kept fighting with the Lord. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving her three dollars. And so finally, I was like, okay, fine, I will, I'll give her the $3. So then I started figuring out, how am I going to do this so that nobody else in my family hears me say, here's $3, because how embarrassing is that to be standing with somebody that says, here's $3. So I figure out, like, she's, we're, we're all getting ready to um, stand up and leave, you know, and she was going to go to the restroom before she had to take the, the trip to the airport. So I thought, now's my time. Nobody's around. So I catch her on the way to the bathroom. And I'm like, Miss Kathy, we were so blessed by you this weekend, and I wish I had so much more to give you, but I, this is all I have in my wallet. I'm going to give you, here's $3. I know that's so silly, and I started to kind of make excuses of why I was giving her only $3, you know, and she stopped me mid-sentence, and her eyes welled up with tears, and she goes, I cannot believe it. I was just asking God, what am I going to do? I have no cash to give to the sky cap, and I have three suitcases suitcases. Now, she was a little bit more feeble, so she couldn't pick up all of her suitcases and carry them in, so she had to use a sky cap. But she got blessed because God told me to do something for her. And if I had not done what he had asked me to do, I would have stolen a blessing from her. I mean, because she was there going, wow, God, you care about $3 for me? I mean, how much more do you care about the big things for me? All because I was obedient. So I was like, pat myself on the back. Way to go. Give her $3. Who wants $3? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's still all about I have in my wallet. I don't even think I have three. It might be one. But, um, but it, showed, it showed her that God cares about everything. And it showed me, like, I need to be obedient no matter what God's asking me to do. Whether it's silly or, you know, small or huge and great. And on a much more significant scale of sacrifice, let me tell you a story in the Bible and this is in Genesis 22. It's in your notes. This is when God had asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. How crazy is that? That's a pretty great sacrifice, I'd say. Um, so I'm going to, instead of reading through it, I'm just going to kind of paint the picture for it. There, Abraham and Isaac were going to go up to the mountain and, and make a sacrifice. And um, Isaac knew, Isaac is the son, Isaac knew that they were going to go sacrifice. And so they're walking up, and, and Isaac says to his dad, you know, Dad, we don't, we don't have a lamb. And Abraham says to his son, the Lord will provide. So if we, they get up to the altar. I mean, they get up to the mountain. They build the altar. They arrange the wood on it. And then it says, if you look in your notes, it says, he bound his son, Abraham bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Okay, let's pause there. 
let's put ourselves in that setting. Let's say I'm, well, let's just say it's me and Devin, okay? We're going up the mountain, and Devin's like, there's no, there's no lamb, Mom. And then I bound him. Like it says, I bound my son and lay him on the altar. Well, there would be a whole chapter full of, like, he was kicking and screaming and calling her names and punching her, and God overtook her, and she was able to pick him up and lay him on the altar. Like, it just says he bound himself and laid him on the altar. Like, what's Isaac thinking now? Like, Dad, have you lost your ever-loving mind? I'm on the altar. What are you saying? Like, what was going on there? Can you imagine? Okay, so then it says, Then he, Abraham, reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So he's getting ready to do it. And that's when the angel of the Lord says to him, Don't lay a hand on your son, Abraham. Because and now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your, from me your son, your one and only son. So it was Abraham didn't even have to actually follow through with the act of being obedient. He was just willing. He knew he was, God knew he was willing to be obedient. And that's when he provided a sacrifice for him. It says, then he saw the a thicket and he thought, saw a ram in the thicket caught by its horns. He went over and used that as the sacrifice. It says, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. So look down at, um, in your notes. It says in verse 16 to 18, it says, Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations of the earth, all nations of the earth, will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We are Abraham's offspring. We are blessed because Abraham so long ago was willing to be obedient that we have the blessing now because obedience unleashes the supernatural. This part's in your notes. Obedience unleashes the supernatural work of God in our lives. And not only does it bless us, but it blesses generations to come. Like I'd said before, I am reaping the benefits of my parents, the blessings of my parents. Derek is reaping the benefits and the blessings of his parents. And we are going to do the same for our kids because it blesses generations to come. Abraham didn't know how God would provide. He didn't care. He was just going to do whatever God said to do. This is a radical example, but if you look at the you know, radical implications, Abraham was one of the richest men that ever lived. He's also known as the father of our faith. I mean, I don't find, it's not just a coincidence that that happened. It was because Abraham was willing to sacrifice so greatly and be obedient no matter the cost, even the cost of his son. And God is not giving, asking us to give up our son or he's not asking us to cut off our right arm. He's asking us in the word, he's asking us to tithe 10%. Give a tenth. I've heard it said that there's a lot of believers that give, tenth, give a tenth. A tenth of what they should be giving. I've also heard it said, you should give according to your income, lest God changes your income according to your giving. That could sting. If we can't be obedient at the base level, then we're not going to see the supernatural provision that, the, that God provides for us. We have to see him as our provider. And it, it leads to such an exciting faith. So if you're bored in your faith, if you're one of these like boring ceremonial washing pots, Ask God to get involved. Ask Jesus to do something supernatural so that you can be one of those exciting party central pots, you know, and others want to be around you. Because when you're faithful in small things, he blesses you with much. And it might be something as practical as sticking to a budget or cutting things out of your budget. I encourage you just a little quick plug for um, Financial Peace University. It's a small group that we run here. If you want to know how to handle your finances biblically, go to that small group. 
you will be blessed. I, there's testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have taken that small group. And it's, you just need to know how to handle your finances biblically. But so let me just tell you, I'm going to tell you a little story about um, my husband. So usually when, usually when Derek um, speaks about me from up here, he's usually so nice. I sound so wonderful. And, you know, the most he says is, you know, she has some salsa. Well, there's a lot that goes behind that, but he just packages it so sweet. Like, well, she has some salsa. There's a lot to that. But so I'm going to tell you some things that I've learned so much from him. My husband, he is a wonderful man. And especially when we were young um, and just newly married, we were just kids when we got married in the seventh grade. <laughs> That's what he always says. It was a scandal. Um, but we, again, we, we learned from our parents. Both of our fathers were very, very generous people. So, but when it came time for me and my finances, I was very frugal and I was holding on to things and I was like, okay, you know, logic. I was thinking, well, God gave us wisdom to have logic. You know, we had four little mouths to feed and he would always say, but honey, you can't outgive God. And I was like, well, I think you're trying because we don't have food for these four little mouths. Hello. And, but sure enough, you can't outgive God. He, he tried. He couldn't outgive him because God always provided crazy supernatural ways for us. So... Um, the other thing that I learned from my honey is that time is money, honey. Okay, so what he meant by that is when I was grocery shopping back when they were young, is I would go to Market Basket for this, and then I'd go to Shaw's because they had the 10 for $10, you know, and then I'd cut coupons for Stop and Shop and go there. And, and I was expecting my husband to do the same thing. Like, when you're shopping, go get this here, go get this here, go get this. He was like, time is money, honey. So me being the good student that I am, I learned that and started incorporating it. So I was like, okay, fine. If it's not a market basket, we ain't getting it. <laughs> so all that to preface what the story I'm about to tell you, that's all the good part. So um, a few years ago, this is, this is a um, testimony in and of itself, a whole, a whole message. But a few years ago, my husband had a little bout with a slightly cancerous tumor in his stomach that was removed. And um, praise the Lord, he has been cancer-free and doing so awesome and so healthy for over three years now. Praise the Lord. So in that, we learned a whole lot, but we also chose to go the holistic route of getting him healthy and whole. And we, didn't, we chose not to do chemotherapy. Um, and so in doing that, he had to change his whole diet. He had to go gluten-free, no more raspberry and danishes, you know. Um, so gluten-free, he had to eat organic stuff, all organic stuff. He had to eat raw, like, I mean, grass-fed meats, all that kind of stuff. He had to take, like, 4,700 supplements a day. I mean, you should see our cabinet. It's crazy with all the pill jars, and he knows what they all are. And so, but where do you get all that stuff but Whole Foods? Or as we like to say, Whole Paycheck. So, now mind you, I'm going to incorporate what he used to teach me, you know, that time is money, and if you can't get it at one store, you just don't get it. So, he'd go to Whole Foods, he'd get his supplements, he'd get his raw organic stuff, he'd get his grass-fed meats, and lo and behold, oh gosh, I need a toothbrush. Hey, look, there's a horsehair toothbrush for $14. Let's get that. Oh, wait a minute, I think I need, I think I needed some shaving cream. Look, there's some organic shaving cream made from the dust of the earth. It's $20. Let's get that. And I'm going, I can get that toothbrush for the, at the dollar store for a dollar for five of them. So I was like, oh, my gosh. So I poked fun, and I never really said anything like, well, maybe I did. 
Oh. Okay. So I poked fun at him more than I said something, but I never like got mad at him, you know, not to his face at least. <laughs> but so just a few weeks ago, literally three weeks ago, we're kind of, you know, we're, well, okay, let me back up. We're in the most ex- expensive season of our lives. Like I said, you know, the, we have four kids. We've got weddings and proms and cars and bigger mouths means bigger appetites, means bigger toys, means everything's bigger and it's more expensive. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, he, just three weeks ago, he says, you know, honey, I've been thinking, since we're in this expensive season of our lives, I think there's probably some things that I'm getting at Whole Foods that I could probably get at Market Basket, and it'd be a lot less expensive. No. (laughs) Really? So what I wanted to say and what I did say were two very different things. I want to say, are you kidding me? Like, I've been telling you this. You haven't learned that from me. Hello, I'm the queen of frugal. You know, that's what I wanted to say. But what I said was, Honey, I am so proud of you for figuring that out on your own. (laughs) So awesome. Now, had I been at home, I probably would have literally fallen out on the floor just to make the exclamation point. But I didn't. But now that he's not going to be shopping at Whole Foods, Morgan, you can go to college now. (laughs) So, um, but the thing is, like, I say that as, to be funny. I mean, it is, it, it's a true story. But Jesus, when you're asking him to get involved in your finances, it may be just silly, practical little things like don't shop at Whole Foods all the time or listen to what God's telling you to do or maybe your wife, whatever your wife's telling you to do. Um, exactly, that's right. So you listen. But um, so it's just, it's, it's an example of how God can do things very creatively in your lives by just cutting things out. Just ask God and listen to him. He's your provider, and he proves time and time again when we're obedient that he will do things creatively. So number three, moving on to number three, that was number two was leads to an exciting faith. Number three, obedience is the key to our heart's desires. Okay, so think about this first miracle that we read about. This was the first one that Jesus had done publicly. And it wasn't raising someone from the dead. It wasn't healing a deaf, dumb, or blind person. It was simply blessing a family at their children's wedding. It was paying for their refreshments. That would be awesome since we have three more to, or three to pay for. Thank you again, Frank and Christina. <laughs> um, but this shows me that God cares about our specific needs. That's in your notes. You can fill that in. He cares about our specific needs and our desires. In other words, if you care about sending your kids to college, he cares about that. If you care about good dental insurance, he cares about that. Ask him. Ask him for those things. When you're looking for a new job and you want specific things, ask God for it. You don't always have to ask your boss for it because if you see your boss as your provider, then you're only going to get what they'll provide. I see Jesus as my provider. I'll get whatever Jesus wants to give me. And he wants to bless me so much. So, you know, like I said, we're asking God more than ever in this expensive season, what can we do? Where do you want us to give more? Where do you want us to cut things? Just whatever he says, we're going to do it because he's, like I said, proven time and again that he's our provider. And the key, not only just providing for things and needs that we have, but he also wants to give us the, our heart's desires. Um, Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. So consider this. God wants to bless you more than you want to bless yourself. 
And he can. He has more money than you. He has the ability more than you do. He loves your family more than you do. He wants to bless you. But obedience is the key factor. So let me explain something, give you an example of my, my four kids. We have four kids. Um, and this is a hypothetical situation, we'll just say. So let's say that one of our kids is way more obedient than the other three. Okay, like I said, that's hypothetical because they're all about the same. Obedient, disobedient, obedient, disobedient, okay? But let's just say, for kicks, that there's one that's really, really obedient, okay? They're, it's going to look like that child is the favored one because they get more privileges because we trust them more. They get more favor because there's more peace because there's not always this, well, you need to obey. <clears throat> Why aren't you obeying? Now you're grounded. Well, you need to be more like your sister or your brother, I mean. Um, <clears throat> um, but, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that the kids are like, you know, they're not in the family because they're disobedient. No, they're still in the family. They're still a fry. They're just maybe more disobedient than this one really obedient child. It doesn't mean that I love this one obedient child more than the other three. I love them all the same. But this one obedient child has more favor. They have more privilege. It's not that they're my favorite. It's that they have more favor. So obedience is the key to that. And it's so much when, you, when you're obedient, you get more blessing in your lives. So our family is blessed because we are obedient. We are willing to do whatever God says. We're, we're just going to do it. And people in our lives have said, you know, we want so badly what you have. But they're not willing to do what we've done. We've sacrificed greatly. And we've been obedient to whatever he's called us to do. And some of the things, some of the desires of our hearts have been a marriage that lasts through tough times. Children that love each other and that serve the Lord all the days of their lives. Does that mean that they're perfect all the days of their lives? Oh, no, it does not mean that. It means that they will serve the Lord and they will never turn their back on our Heavenly Father. And that's important to us. That's our heart's desire. Our heart's desire for this church is for this church to be a blessing and pleasing to God and to be blessed in the process. And we are. Our church is so blessed. We're not just blessed financially. We're blessed with the best people on the earth. Like we have, we are the salt of the earth in this church. But, you know, when, when we're obedient, God wants to provide our heart's desires. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. What the, the verses prior to that are talking about clothing and food and your necessary needs. But God provides so much more than that. He can provide joy in the middle of trials. He can provide peace in the middle of storms. He can provide wisdom in the middle of crises if you ask for it. You have to ask him and invite him in. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessings of the Lord make a person rich and adds no sorrow with it. We have plenty of people that we know that, um, according to the world standards, are very rich people. And they have lots of toys, and they have lots of things, but they have a lot of sorrow because they've lost their marriage to get those things. They've lost their health or their kids to get those things. They've lost their ethics to get those things. But the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and has no sorrow with it. God's way works way better if you just obey and do what he's asking you to do. <clears throat> I used to say this to my kids when, um, when I was trying to teach them things about, you know, the Lord is their provider. And there would be times when all four of them, miraculously, talk about supernatural, would all be obedient for like a couple of weeks at a time. And it was just joyful and peaceful to take them. We'd go out to dinner and, 
you know, they would just all be so obedient. We'd have compliments being told to us or whatever because our children were so well-behaved. And I was like, oh, I just want to bless you so much. I want you to know how proud I am of you. I would just want to buy you McDonald's and, you know, and I don't mean just the Happy Meal. I mean, I want to buy you the whole building, McDonald's. Like, I'm so proud of you. But I was like, I can only buy you a Happy Meal with the $3 that are in my purse. But I was like, I can't bless you the way I want to bless you. But I know who can. He's my heavenly father, and he's your provider, and he's your source. And so I would say to the kids, I would go, you know what? I'm going to pray favor over you because that's, God will bless you more than I can ever think about blessing you, and that's all you need, and then some. And so my kids are blessed. I've always prayed for favor with them, to follow them the days of their lives. If you have parents, I mean, parents, if you have kids and they're in school, pray that they have favor with their teachers. Pray they have favor with their bosses. Pray that you have favor with your boss. Like, God wants to bless you, but you have to ask him, and you have to be obedient to whatever he is telling you to do. So Jesus is sitting at the table of of your heart's desire, and he's waiting for you to invite him in. He's waiting for you to ask him these things. And like when, when Jesus said to his mother, when she said, we have no more wine, Jesus said, you know, it's not my time. Basically what he was saying is they haven't recognized me yet. They haven't included me in this process. Have you included him in your process of life? Have you recognized him for all that he's done for you and who he is in your life? Mark Batterson wrote, um, he's the author of The Circle Maker and a couple other books, but he says, you are only one defining decision away from a totally different life. That's powerful. What decision, what defining decision are you going to make today? Are you going to be obedient at the base level of what God says? Are you going to ask him in and invite him in? Are you going to recognize him in your life? In every area, not just finances, but in your health, in your circumstances, in your family, in your relationships, in your job, are you going to recognize him? Why don't you stand with me this morning? And I want to talk to two different groups of people and ask you if you, if you have not recognized him in your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. If you just, everybody would close your eyes, bow your heads. This is going to be, you know, one of the most important decisions you could ever make. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day to make a defining decision that can change the rest of your life. So I want to give you the opportunity, if you have never recognized Jesus and ask him to be the Lord and Savior Savior of your life, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'll just raise your hand, like put it up there really high so that it's just, thank you, I see your hand. see your hand, brother. It's the best decision you can make best decision you can make would be to give your life to Christ. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer with us as well. Is there anybody else that you feel like Jesus is knocking at your heart? Just saying, I want want to come into your life. That's awesome. All right, let's all just pray this prayer together and then I'm gonna talk to a second group of people. Everybody just say, dear Lord, I give you my life. I invite you in as the Lord and Savior of my life and I put you at the helm and I put you on the throne I thank you for what you did for me and I never want to take it for granted so I thank you Jesus 
for taking over my life and saving me forever. In Jesus' name. Now, still with your eyes closed, I want to ask you if you are, um, maybe you're in a, a situation where you never had somebody to be the example to see what it looks like for God to be your provider. Or, or maybe you have some doubt issues, like you don't trust that really anything's going to change if you do say, I want, I'm trusting Jesus as my source, my provider. Maybe you just have control issues and you don't want to give up control of things in your life. Let me just tell you, Jesus can do so much better at your life than you can. I know that from my experience. He can, he can work things out better than I ever could. So if you have... A, um, if you want to just say and, and acknowledge to the Lord today that you want to see him more as your provider than ever before, I want you to raise your hand. And all over the room, all over the room, I'm raising my hand. I may, it may sound like, you know, oh, she's got this down and she sees Jesus as her provider in every area. There's always room for improvement. I want to be more obedient. I want to, be, I want to have radical implications like Abraham did. And I want that for you as our church. So, Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name that, that, that every hand raised here and every heart that is open to you would see you as their source in Jesus' name, that you, that you would be their provider in their finances, in their health, in their relationships, in their family, in their jobs. I pray blessing over these people in Jesus' name, blessings in Jesus' name that cannot be contained because they are willing to invite you in and see you as the source and recognize you for what you've done in their lives. I thank you, Jesus, that we will hear testimony after testimony of financial blessing in Jesus' name, of health, of supernatural healings in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that each person here, whatever they have that they can put in their ceremonial pot, per se, in the natural, that you would take over and bless it supernaturally so that they can have a life of blessing because of their obedience. Lord, I pray that whatever you ask them to do, they would just do it. They would be willing to just do whatever it is. They would fill it to the brim, overflowing, and that you would multiply it back to them in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessings in, this, in, in today, that this defining decision will change their lives forever in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.